Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to Minisode 53 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart, I make disgusting things. How the devil are you? I'm okay man, how are you? I'm good, yeah, yeah. yeah good to see you. Yeah, uh, busy week? Uh, it's been relatively busy actually and that has somewhat hampered my viewing, not to say that I haven't watched anything Mitch, but uh, yeah, I've been busy with imminent life things really, uh, including a pretty hasty house purchase um, yeah so, congratulations uh, by the way yeah thanks thanks uh as if i need more <laughs> yeah that's what you needed yeah like some more upheaval yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah no aside from that i have been pretty busy okay um but i did manage to get something watched okay and it's something i've been hearing a lot about and uh yeah i got the first two episodes which is all that is currently available okay i uh, watched of chernobyl okay okay um, now um this is hbo isn't it it is, yeah, yeah. So Sky Atlantic in the UK? Sky Atlantic in the okay. UK. Um, it is harrowing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if this is a horror podcast, then this is true horror. Okay. Um, and it's kind of heart-pounding stuff. It's a story most people probably know, but uh, I think a lot of people won't know the kind of depths of how they tried to hide it and how disbelieving the kind of Russian government were mm-hmm. in the beginning about, I guess, the severity of the incident. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's really, really good. So I knew nothing about this um, before it came out. Mm-hmm. I didn't see anything about this in advance. Right. So this was, so, but all of a sudden, it kind of felt like out of nowhere the last week or so, people have been going crazy about this, but talking about it very much in the same way as you, saying that it's like really, really heavy going, kind of harrowing stuff. Yeah, well, the way the second episode ends... It's just like, well, that's a goddamn fucking nightmare. <laughs> like, right, okay. That's like up there with one of my worst fears. Okay, <laughs> say no say. more. But uh, yeah, it's it's really good. So two episodes in, and yeah, you're pretty convinced? Two episodes in, get it watched, great cast as well. Jared Harris, Emily Watson, Stellan Skarsgård. Nice, can't argue with that. Yeah, so pretty strong across the board. Uh, definitely get it watched. I think, the, I think it's Tuesdays on HBO. Right. So presumably... Hours later on Sky Atlantic. Yeah, that yeah, okay. Yeah, that tends to be how those things work these days. Yeah, but watch it. It is what it has made me realise is that radiation poisoning's got to be one of the most horrible ways to go. Okay. Oh my okay. god. Yeah. Just realising I actually have access to this because I still have Now TV for the moment. Yeah, well, I would get it watched. I think it's a limited series as well, so it's not like. Oh, but okay. I'll probably be able to get through the whole thing then. Yeah, and it's not going to be like obviously. It's not going to go series after series after series. I suppose not, no, um, no. There's a limited amount of story rope in there. Yeah, although we are 30-odd years down the line and it's still leaking radiation. Yeah. So. Um, but no, I'll try and get to that. Was that was that the kind of main thrust of your stuff this week? Pretty much, yeah. I just thought cool. I wanted to get that watched because well, like, a lot of people were talking about it in pretty in- enthusiastic tones. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought, yeah, let's get this, let's get this done. And uh, yeah, it is pretty harrowing. Okay. Um, I have a couple of things, one of which was actually um, a leftover from last week that I forgot to talk about. Right. Um, and it's not strictly horror, but I think that it's 
something that I think is kind of worth touching on because it's kind of like the cinematic event of the last few years, which was that last week I finally made time to see Avengers Endgame. Right, haven't seen it. Have seen uh, Infinity War, but haven't seen Endgame. I haven't seen, of the kind of 22 of these that there's been, I believe, right. um, in this stage of the kind of Marvel thing, I would say that I've seen maybe about 13 or 14 of them. I don't actively seek these out every time. Kind of okay. thing. There's got okay. quite a few spaces missing in the kind of ones that I have and haven't uh, caught up with yet. I kind of, I always kind of enjoy them with, well, I always kind of, kind of making the acknowledgement that they're, they're not really my thing. Right. But maybe I'm kind of feeling like I'm getting to the point where I should maybe just make the admission that maybe these are my thing after all, because <laughs> um, I thought the end game was brilliant. Cool. Like, well, I, I, that seems to be the kind of popular opinion. So yeah, yeah. Obviously, I don't want to labour too much on comic book films in a horror podcast. Same, same. But, uh, yeah, uh, that seems, certainly seems to be what people are saying about Endgame overall. Yeah, I think that it's, it's about, strong. about as convincing an ending as you could get to something of that kind of scale, I think. Cool. Um, but, yeah, on more of a horror tip, I have been getting very nostalgic for previous Fright Fests in the last week or two. Okay. Um, I think that that's because, kind of, on their social media and stuff like that, because it's the 20-year one this year, mm-hmm. I think that they've been doing um, quite a lot of, kind of, uh, nostalgia stuff on their Instagram and things like that and also they've been in Cannes yeah from Fright Fest so they've been kind of updating bits and bobs hinting at things they might have seen or might not have seen at Cannes yeah I think that I think that all these things kind of uh, combined have started to kind of just get me background to being kind of really excited for this year's event and um, obviously yeah like I'm looking at the Cannes thing I've got a kind of wish list for what I'd like to see in the lineup uh-huh. this year that kind of thing but kind of maybe, yeah maybe think about the previous years that I've been and uh, because of that I went and sought out one of the first uh, kind of big crowd pleasing really violent things that I saw in a festival audience Oh, right. In 2013, uh, which was uh, Ryui Kitamura's uh, No One Lives. Okay, well, uh, look at Evans. Yeah, it's kind of like just, it's it's a pretty straightforward revenge thing. Have you seen it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I hadn't seen it, I hadn't seen it in six years, and the last time I saw it was in the Empire, so it was in, a crowd, uh, in an audience of however many hundred, um, who were all kind of like cheering and clapping and laughing on the right cues and all that kind of thing. Sure, yeah, Very yeah. difficult to replicate that kind of thing, and I think that festival nostalgia does come into it a little bit, where you remember this incredible experience, and then you watch it by yourself in your house, and it does kind of lose a little something. And did it? I mean, almost inevitably, yeah. <laughs> but um, it was also still, I mean, if you haven't seen it, and you like these kind of like straight shooting, kind of like very blunt force revenge things, um, then definitely give it a look. Yeah, it's really entertaining, and I think that Luke Evans is great in it. But um, yeah, that was the kind of the main film thing that I watched this week outside of shortwave stuff. Was that? Did we? Did we? We did talk about revenge, didn't we? Uh, yeah, we did a wee while ago. Yeah, which mm, yeah, that's a, a much darker toned um, <laughs> affair, but um, also really great. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Yeah, that yeah. was that. <laughs> I just I couldn't remember <laughs> if we actually touched on it because I remembered us watching it together um, when we were a few bottles deep. Yeah, which is maybe not optimal frame of mind to be watching that. But, no, no, um, no. We, we definitely got through it all, I'm sure. But then I, no, I think we were yeah, like, yeah. Right, uh, maybe something a bit more light-hearted, Troll 2. <laughs> yeah, I kind, of, I kind of feel like I owe it a second watch, to be honest. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Revenge, which I will definitely get around to because it is really, really strong. And it's on Shudder. It's a Shudder original, yeah. yeah. Yeah, get on it. That's just about it for me, I think, with one obvious exception. Ah! And in a week where Shockwaves is kind of riding quite high in our minds for uh, reasons that will become apparent a little bit later on, sure. Um, I did manage to, uh, just this morning actually, so it was uh, right on the buzzer, but I did manage to get one watched from the Shockwaves 100 this week. What did you watch? I watched Messiah of Evil this week uh, from 1973. Okay, right. I'm going to tell you, I don't think that I've seen this one. I think this is one I haven't seen, so you're now a, a step ahead of me. Wow, that is a first. I think it might might be one of the first. Uh, yeah, I mean, oh, genuinely, yeah. Outside of things you've watched at 
festivals that I haven't been at. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Um, so yeah, back to 1973 for this one. Um, very quick synopsis is that a plot, the plot follows a woman who travels to a remote coastal town in California to find her missing artist father. Upon arrival, she finds herself in the midst of a series of bizarre incidents. This is death cults, vampires, all sorts. Oh, right, okay, busy time. Uh, yeah, it was uh, written and directed by Willard Hoyek and Gloria Katz. Willard Hoyek of Howard the Duck fame? They're both. Um, wow. How- Howard the Duck and uh, after that also the scripts for American Graffiti and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom ah okay um, so tight with George Lucas then I suppose so yeah but I'll, this is a, about as far removed from those films as you can be well that's about the same time as American Graffiti so yeah they're thereabouts yeah, yeah. Um, yeah this is this is a really interesting one it's paced in a very measured way um, it kind of it's, it's it comes in at ninety minutes, but it takes its time doing everything that it needs to do. Mm-hmm. And I would say that that serves it pretty well for the most part. There are some incredible set pieces in it that are served pretty well by the fact that it just takes its time. Right. Okay. Like I don't want to get too spoilery about it because I would recommend people watch it. But there's a, a scene where a character is killed in a cinema. Okay. And uh, basically, she goes in, sits down, and uh, the kind of big bad of the film, the kind of vampires. They very gradually, while she's watching the film, assemble in the rows behind her. Well, that's cool. And then kind of just eventually just kind of advance on her. And um, it takes seven minutes from when she arrives to when she dies. See, I like when a film lets a scene really breathe like that. Aye, and, it's... And, and lets it kind of grow and build. And I think that like um, and it almost uniformly does that. In fact, there's also there's um a scene very early on where there's kind of a, this kind of like vagrant guy is telling a story to one of the main characters. And it's an amazing performance. The guy's only in it for one scene. But again, that speech is kind of like that takes maybe three, four minutes as well. Right, jeez. Um, and it just it doesn't it like yeah it doesn't feel the need to uh, kind of rush anything along. Okay. And it's definitely all the better for that. It's um it's probably somewhere in the middle overall of the ones I've seen. Right. But it's definitely like I think that I have previously when I've watched films from this kind of era found this kind of tone and this kind of pacing kind of a tough nut to crack. Okay. And I think that it's worth it bears mentioning that I didn't have that problem with this. Good. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, Messiah of Evil, another one in the bag for the Shockwaves 100. I'm Wonderful. Sh- I'm, I'm seeing at some point. I think that um, we've got plans to do non-podcast business at some point this week. Are we gonna? Are you gonna foist Cannibal Holocaust on me? <laughs> if you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving swiftly on, though. What have they been saying? It's feedback time, and well, a whole load of stuff coming in this week um, across a range of topics. Of course leaning quite heavily towards episode 53 where Josh Forbes joined us to talk contracted phase 2 in our first ever self-defense episode. Yes, bold, gutsy and uh, I rather actually thought it was a really interesting chat with Josh. It was interesting to kind of get his perspective on not only what didn't work with the film or what he perceived to not work or what he perceived to have worked quite well and what he's quite fond of but just the actual kind of journey it was for Josh getting the film made um, and dealing with the producers and yeah. writers and kind of various uh, hurdles he had to yeah. bound over and kind of smooth over. I think that um, the, the the kind of tone and structure of the episode is always going to be different from kind of the normal. Yeah. I think that people are always going to approach these things differently when it's something that they're so close to. Um, but I thought Josh, uh, I, I really enjoyed it as well. I thought that Josh did a really good job of kind of... Um, being very open and about the film's flaws or what he like you say what he thinks the flaws are. Yeah. But it's it's nice, I think, that when somebody somebody comes out of a project like that, which was obviously a really challenging experience and still has loads of things about it that they think are kind of valid mm-hmm. and uh, kind of worthwhile. So that was a lot of fun and uh, yeah, like I say, a lot of the feedback touching on that. Uh, Kevin Matthews on Facebook, the minute that we announced it, uh, simply said, Plot twist. <laughs> sure. Yep. Also the minute we announced it. 
Matt Mercer got in touch on Instagram. Matt Mercer, of course, the star of uh, Contracted Face 2 and also previous guest on the show. Yeah, he got in touch to say, whoa, whoa, what? What? (laughs) (laughs) To which we did say, look, Matt, we treat you very well in this episode. He does good work in the film. Yeah, Yeah, he does absolutely fine work. We didn't have anything bad to say. Uh, But Matt did get back to us again saying, well, it's fine if there's some roasting too. And then he uh, pointed... uh, towards Josh and said this is hysterical that he's doing this <laughs> and it is, it is it is a wild thing when you think about it yeah I would be very open to doing more of them oh definitely. yeah me, me too um, uh, come forward Ty West <laughs> <laughs> we're waiting Panda prettiest dunce on Twitter getting in touch I am so fucking excited for this I will be vastly disappointed if you pull your punches just because the director is there I don't think we did and I also think that we kind of were saved a lot of effort in that department because Josh went in hard on his own film yeah I, I would agree with that I mean we did pick up things that we thought maybe didn't work and we were honest about the things that we thought didn't work. Yeah. Ultimately none of that really matters what we think because Josh had already pretty much staved off any criticisms we were going to have yeah, by, a lot by of doing stuff. it himself. Absolutely. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a couple more on Contracted Phase 2. Shakes the Shakes 72 on Twitter starting a double bill of Contracted and Contracted Phase 2 because despite everything I still want to believe. Damn you, strong violent PC. <laughs> Uh, so I hope you enjoyed those. Saltired Popcorn at Saltired Popcorn, funnily enough, on Twitter getting in touch to say, I'll be very interested to hear female viewpoints on the latest Strong Violent PC, especially as I never viewed the main character of the movie as good at all. Between first and second film, we see him as A. Stalkery, B. Opportunistic, and C. Not intervening to stop a rape. He also selfishly spreads the virus through denial and bad decisions. I liked the film but felt it worked well without us viewing the main character kindly. It was almost an impressive move to have sexual behaviour finally affecting men in horror films. Fair comments all. Fair comments across the board. And what I would say is, I think that like... um I haven't... It's been six years since I, since I saw Contracted. Sure, you, and you've never gone back to it. I've never gone back to it. And I have very little recollection of how that character, Riley, plays out in the film. Yeah. Or is portrayed in the film. I um, I remember him kind of turning up and I remember him having had like kind of a thing for uh, Najara Townsend's character. Yeah. But how that actually manifests itself I had kind of escaped me. Uh, but no, interesting stuff. And I, w- I would also be curious to know this, actually. Because I think that it's like, yeah, it's it's um, it's a pretty difficult topic to handle. And I think that it's fair to say that across the, across the two films, it maybe doesn't get that entirely right. I think the, f- the second film definitely goes to some lengths to try and remove some of that toxicity that might exist in the first film. Yeah, I would say that that's true. Um, whether or not it's entirely successful at that is another discussion. Is another yeah. discussion. Um, I guess uh, maybe Josh will get in touch and let us know his thoughts and whether he feels like he's accomplished that. Perhaps, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I have one more in contracted phase two, and then that's all because I have uh, fanned this out very poorly. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. I don't have anything else on contracted phase two, so fire away. Okay, cool. Um, so um, our old pal David Malcolm at Random Elements Hi. on uh, Twitter <laughs> just uh, directly tweeting uh, Josh. Saying, where do we send money to get Brothel of the Dead made? Um, which, uh, if you listen to the episode, you'll know is a potential alternate title for Josh's original idea for a sequel <laughs> Contracted. Which I would also watch the living daylights out of. That sounded quite fun. What did I say it was? Frankenhooker meets Evil Dead meets The Raid? Something like that, yeah, yeah. See? What's well, not to love about that? Yeah, exactly. It's fucking amazing. As elevator pitches go. Let's <laughs> bring it on. Okay, I'm going to go back now to Meet the Feebles. Oh, okay, cool. Um, in this case, we've got Andrew Marshall at Semi Pro Geek getting in touch on Twitter saying, Inspired by Strong Violent PC, I rewatched Meet the Feebles for the first time in years, one of the very few films with the distinction of managing to make me feel physically sick. <laughs> it was just as depraved, as revolting, and as much riotous fun as I remember. 
won't argue with that. No, fair. Yeah. Pretty happy with that. Yeah, and it does make you feel pretty grimy. Yeah, it's a pretty icky affair, isn't it, really, across <laughs> the board. That is just about it. Um, I do have some feedback about what comes next. Ah! As well as, so, uh, Is it time for me to... I mean, I think so, yeah. To yelp, incoherently? Uh, yeah. More and more incoherently as the episodes go on. Yeah. And if that didn't make any sense to you, it is time for another round of Mitch's Pitches. Mitch's yes. Pitches being, of course, a feature on the show that exploits my ignorance for your entertainment. Mostly well, mine. <laughs> for, yeah, for Andy's entertainment and hopefully other people's. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It will be a poster uh, from a horror film from years gone by. He will have photoshopped out the title, tagline, any identifying text. So all that's left is the image. My job is to describe the image to the best of my ability and then give the film, where possible, a title and a synopsis. So, we will be posting that image to all of our social media so you can play along at home. And loads of you have been doing that this past week once again. Lovely, it's good to hear. So, last week the film was Bug. It was, yes. Uh, reappropriated by me as the Cockroach Chronicles, the infestation manifestation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, the uh, the pictures have been out in force this week. Oh, have they indeed? They have indeed, I can confirm that. Well, oh, hang on, let me get comfy. Okay. Let me settle in. Yeah, you're going to need to. Let's see, where to begin? So, a few people going in for um, the obvious joke here. Right. So, Kevin Matthews correctly identifying the film was Bug. Yes. Um, good, good. Well con- done. Continuing his hot streak of being able to get those pretty quickly. Uh, however, alternate. Cadden Black stars in the Watergate-inspired horror about a politician's aide who has to constantly deal with his paranoia and delusions. It's 1977's Is This Phone Bugged? Ah, right, sure, sure. Uh, straight off the back of that, Boz, 1955's Fuck, They Bugged My Phone Again. <laughs> uh, so yeah, a few of those, a few people going in with uh, going in with those kinds of things. However, uh, Gorehound coming in with a pretty good variation on that for me. Okay. Telephones have definitely been bugged in 1990's British terror com, It's Good to Stock. <laughs> Again, a uniquely British reference, but quite a good one. (laughs) Hanny underscore Ray on Twitter. Hotline Hunter. Dare you dial 555-DEATH and risk becoming the next victim of the burner phone death craze. And you create news everywhere this summer. No mention of the cockroach. No mention at all. Just brush right past that. I quite like that, though. (laughs) Chris Salt, last week's winner. Oblong Pictures on Twitter. On the run after stealing a large sum of money from her boss, real estate secretary Mandy Bowles stops at a rundown roadside motel to lay low. But when she rings for room service, she discovers the owner's deadly secret. His cellar-dwelling mother isn't a real woman. She's a load of bugs in a dress. In 1981's <laughs> Roach Motel. <laughs> so they've taken women form. Uh, yes, they've assumed the form wonderful, of a lady. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. Yes, I like that quite a lot. Uh, Tony Constantine? Right, okay. When German salvage tug the SS Robin discovers a seemingly abandoned <laughs> deep-sea research vessel adrift off the coast of Scotland, they tow the ship to the nearest port, Carnoustie Harbour. Sure, sure, Shocker. sure, yes, yeah. But when Tugmaster Captain Schnapp Crecklepops recognises <laughs> the ship as the missing... <laughs> Gonna give that a minute. But when Tugmaster Captain Schnapp Crecklepops recognises the ship as the missing USS Corpulence, her initial intrigue turns to obsession and frustration as she fruitlessly scours the ship for any clues as to what happened, until she discovers a secret lab where embittered scientist Dr. Quentin Crisp has mutated the cure for diabetes into a terrifying virus to unleash upon the world as revenge for the deaths of his parents, Reginald and Dorothy Crisp. No way! As Quentin's horde of malevolent, malicious mutant cockroaches wreak havoc upon the people of Carnoustie, Captain Cricklepops uses the ship's emergency phone to contact the only man who can quash a rogue crisp in 1999's wildly overambitious Dial M for Mince. Yes! The return of the Flame Minion. Watch worlds collide in the penultimate chapter of the Minceverse this summer. 
All roads lead to Ron. Oh my god, the penultimate chapter. He's bringing it to its natural conclusion. Yeah, uh-huh. Rather than us telling him to stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's an incredibly welcome return for the Minceverse. Uh, yeah, I think pretty convincing. And finally, Stephen Wales, from the director that brought you the body horror classic Sticky Biscuit Action. It's, <laughs> a, po- it's, a, it's a post-apocalyptic physiological thriller of the summer, Screaming Fanny. <laughs> That's uh, that's some of the highlights of the bitches this week. Sorry if I missed any. Again, there was a whole load, um, so I had to just kind of trim down. Um, but yeah, that's a listener bitches for this week. <laughs> I really want to see Screaming Fanny. <laughs> I kind of mentioned the Screaming Fanny and Josh's episode. Oh, so you did, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, so winner, do you know two weeks in a row? Chris Salt. I think it's got to be. It's got to be Roach Motel. Yeah, yeah, happy enough with that. Happy I enough think it that. was the, the the cockroaches forming into the shape of a woman in a dress. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, that won uh, it for me. Yeah, I had a feeling that might be the clincher. Yes, the absurd uh, wins again. Yeah, Chris Salt, congratulations! You'll be stunned to learn that once again you win nothing. Yeah, it's on the way. Yeah, yeah, should be. <laughs> oh, actually, I think uh, I noticed that Chris posted a, a photo of a of a Royal Mail collection card. That yeah. He- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it just said on it like. Uh, like where it had been left and all that and what it was was it a parcel was that an envelope that just said it's nothing <laughs> <laughs> like that I love yeah, yeah yeah very cute on that <laughs> however to business yeah are you ready uh, yeah sure it's on the way now okay okay it's here yeah there's quite a lot going on on this Mitch so uh, as much detail as you can please I think that that is fair um, our scene is a bustling metropolis <laughs> Uh, many high-rise buildings where I would imagine business of great importance happens on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah, however, I think the height is yes, indicative of that, Matt. I, I yeah, would agree. Certainly, certainly, yeah. Um, however, possibly not today, as it seems like a whole load of them are on fire. Um, <laughs> specifically, the uh, building in the far left of the image, uh, where a massive plume of black smoke is coming from that and just uh, kind of polluting the entire skyline. Um, so this is shot kind of from the ground, looking at this array of buildings that are all in kind of various stages of ruin. On the ground, there are uh, people in kind of uh, protective clothing fighting fires and also shooting fire at something. Also, some people are fleeing. They look to be in a state of some distress. Looks like there's a military presence on the scene and also what appears to be an extremely low-flying helicopter that looks like it's about to collide with one of the buildings, but actually on, like, the first floor. (laughs) I think that that's just about everything. I don't think I've missed anything anything eye-catching. Right. So... Yeah, and also at the front of the image, yeah, the two people who are uh, kind of fleeing the scene are a man and a woman. Both look pretty well-to-do. She's wearing a burgundy dress. He's wearing a kind of tan blazer and a white shirt. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to leave it there. Okay, right, okay. Intra- very, very interesting. Um... Okay, I will uh, need potentially longer than a moment. Sure. I'm looking over the image again and I'm very, very, yeah, it's very interesting, some of the, the choices that you've made. Very interesting. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I'll come on to it in a moment, but uh, how, how are you getting on there? I'm going a different way with this this week. Okay. 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 Do you have something? <laughs> yeah, I have something. Okay, let's see. The year is 2018. Well, okay. <laughs> Having been released from prison and rebuilt his empire... Gordon Gecko has found his way back ah. to the top and has toppled a few rivals along the way. 
However, chaos ensues when a mysterious black substance causes the wiring in a number of stock market skyscrapers to malfunction and explode, causing untold death and destruction to Manhattan's cutthroat financial elite. What's causing this? Are they finally being punished for being ruled by self-interest in the bloodless pursuit of money? Find out in 2012's poorly conceived completion of the trilogy, Wall Street 3, Greed is Goo. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You couldn't, literally couldn't be further away. Um, <laughs> okay, because I got quite close last week, didn't Well, the I? thing I was thinking, um, you genuinely think this is a poster for a film from 2012. I mean, I obviously <laughs> don't think that it's a poster from a film from 2012. Obviously not. <laughs> okay, well, I can tell you that it's most certainly not. In fact, it's a film from 1978. Oh, wow, okay, cool. And I even think that the poster's misleading in that, because I would say it looks even older than that. That's probably true. Um, But it is The Swarm. The Swarm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I feel like I've heard of this somewhere in there. Uh, got any more to tell me about that one? Well, what I can say to you straight off the bat is what you perceive to be smoke uh-huh. or goo as, <laughs> in fact, bees. Oh, I see. Okay. It's <laughs> uh, not a good start. Yeah, so the men with the flamethrowers are not uh, further incinerating the buildings or causing the fires. They are presumably badly <laughs> trying to control the, the winged uh, stinging threat. I don't know why I thought further incinerating the buildings would be helpful, but yeah. <laughs> To stop the goo. <laughs> would you like to know what it's about? I would love to. <laughs> well, I can tell you what it's about, but uh, it will be better told in the words of synopsis regular Claudio Carvalho. Fantastic. Okay, hit me. <laughs> a swarm of African killer bees attacks an Air Force base in Texas, then the small town of Marysville and later Houston. A lot of detail there. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a team of scientists leaded by the arrogant Dr. Bradford Crane tries to find an antidote and an effective way of destroying the lethal swarm against the military command advice that wants to restrain the area. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is the swarm any good? Uh, not particularly, right. no, but it does ha- it does feature Michael Caine, isn't it, right? That's the guy in the foreground in the brown jacket. Uh-huh. Uh, but he does deliver the following line. We've been fighting a losing battle against the insects for 15 years, but I never thought I'd see the final face-off in my lifetime. And I never dreamed that it would turn out to be the bees. They've always been our friend. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. That's amazing. <laughs> well, that concludes Mitch's Pitches for another week, but that image is now everywhere, so you know what to do. Yeah, get on it. Get on it, get pitching, get pitching. Absolutely. Also, will we see the concluding chapter in the Minceverse this Good, week? Uh, do you know, as much as I would like that, I think spreading it out is always good. Mm, Let's see what Tony does. Keep them wanting more, Mitch. (laughs) Okay, so uh, seeing as we're making a habit of doing this, before we move on, going to take a quick look at what is coming to the streaming platforms. All right, okay. uh, um, uh, What's available to watch soon? Nice. (laughs) (laughs) I want that every week. (laughs) Fuck off. I love it. Right, um, so Netflix. I actually mentioned this last week, um, but just kind of got to my dates wrong. So it is... um, Wait a minute, there's an inaccuracy here. Uh, only a little one. Yeah, I mentioned uh, Jonathan, the uh, Black Mirror-esque looking sci-fi thing with Ansel Elgort in it. Of course, yes, um, yes. As landing last week. That is this Tuesday, the 21st. Oh, that right. lands. Okay. Um, also on the 23rd, if you're feeling a little bit masochistic, The Mummy, uh, the Tom Cruise one. Oh, wow, that's poor. That lands on Netflix on the 23rd. And on the 24th, one that I've been looking forward to for quite a long time, right. the Netflix original The Perfection. Oh, right, okay. Now, you've mentioned this to me before, I think. Yeah, um, the synopsis for this is, uh, in this twisty horror thriller, a once-promising music prodigy reconnects with her former mentors, only to find them taken with a talented new pupil. 
Right, okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, that lands uh, that lands this week. Like I say, I've been looking forward to that one for quite some time, so I'm really looking forward to getting stuck into that over the weekend. Okay, cool. Slim pickings again on Amazon, but if you're looking for a little bit of cage rage... Oh, yeah. Uh, the Nicolas Cage 50 Cent crime film, The Frozen Ground, lands on the 26th. So there's that. <laughs> so get on it, folks. Yeah. Um, Shudder, we have on the 20th, uh, The Day, and also uh, We Are The Night. Do we know if that's the day the WWE produced film with Ashley Bell and one of the Ashmoles? I think that would be my assumption, yeah. Right, yeah. Um, I'm sure I saw that at Glasgow Fright Fest or something like that. All right, okay. Uh, On the 23rd as well, also coming there, we have got um, a film called The Night Shifter, which uh, sounds pretty interesting to me. Uh, The synopsis for that one is as follows. A technician in a morgue who could talk with the dead puts his loved ones in danger when he learns some secrets from one of his departed acquaintances, which he uses for revenge. Good lord. And uh, finally, Now TV. Uh, now, this actually landed over the weekend. It came on yesterday, but it's worth mentioning because we've talked about it a lot on the show, and I know it's one you really like. Uh, Lee Winnell's Upgrade. Oh, I love it. Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's available now. Also, uh, coming to uh, Now TV and, of course, uh, Sky Cinema, uh, this week, uh, the 20th, we have got uh, Most Likely to Murder. All right, what's this? <laughs> what's this? This sounds, uh, this sounds garbage. Go on. Uh, most likely to murder. Uh, the synopsis is... So it's got, um, it's got a 62% rating on Rotten Tomatoes for a start. That's pretty strong. Not bad. Synopsis is when Billy, the coolest kid in high school, oh. comes back to his hometown 15 years later to find he's no longer cool and the girl he still has feelings for <laughs> now dates the former town outcast. He sets out to prove that his rival is actually a murderer. Now, this sounds super trashy, but the um, cast here, you've got Rachel Bloom from right, uh, okay. Crazy Ass Girlfriend. Yeah. Amongst sure. other things, yeah. uh, Adam Pally. Okay, yeah, okay. comedian and funny man Adam Pally, yes. and comedian and funny man Hassan Minaj, um, all appearing in this. So and Billy Eichner's in there as well. All oh, right, okay. So, so pretty interesting stuff. So uh, actually, regardless of what your platform choice is, some pretty good stuff going on this week. Pretty keen to check out the perfection. Yeah, really looking forward yeah. to that. Really looking forward to that. So, turning our attentions to this week then. Yeah, what have we got, Mitch? Well, it's one that we've been trying to make work for a little while, and it looks like it's happening. Good, finally coming down the pipeline. Yeah, and it's another double guest situation. Oh, worried about that from a sound perspective, You'll Mitch. be fine, I believe in you. Yeah, well, thank you, thank you. Uh, we've got some long introductions on our hands here. Deep oh, breath. Uh, yeah, yeah. She is the host of the Fangoria podcast Nightmare University and the Blumhouse podcast Shotwaves, what? as well as being a producer at the Blumhouse podcast network. He's the writer, director, and producer and the host of the Blumhouse podcast Fear Initiative. They are the co-directors of the Christmas anthology horror All the Creatures Were Stunning. It is the husband and wife team of Rebecca and Dave McKendry. Wow, wow, wow. Yes. Wow, that's uh, that's quite appearing. Yep, that's one hell of an aggregate CV they've got there. It's pretty impressive. It's pretty towering. <laughs> What film are they talking about, Andy? Well, Mitch, this is a tricky one for us, I would say, because it's a film that's incredibly close to our hearts and incredibly close to the podcast. This is true. I'm going to find it particularly difficult to go in critically. I, I would agree. And yeah. go in harsh. It's Juan Piquer Simon's Slugs. Yeah! We're finally talking about Slugs on the show. Yep, it's been a long time coming. It's the film that made us start this podcast. Yep. And now we're going to talk about it. And we're talking about it with Rebecca and Dave McHenry. Exciting times. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. yeah. And it's a fucking amazing film, so I absolutely urge you to watch it in advance of the episode. Yeah, I, it's I, also, it's everywhere. It's, it's everywhere, and it's amazing. Yeah, it's <laughs> super accessible. So get yourself caught up if you haven't seen it. It will be well worth your while. So, how are you feeling about this one? Get in touch with us. Loads of ways to do that. Facebook and Instagram, Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC and also email scenes at gmail.com. Yeah. Anything to add? Plenty. Okay. Listeners, where do you listen? Are you listening on TuneIn? Because 
you might be able to get access to it through your Alexa by screaming at a little box in the corner of your room. Sack that. Get on to iTunes. <laughs> Are you listening on Spotify and think, I'm sick of waiting for the episodes to drop that they're supposed to. <laughs> Shade, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, then why not hop onto our home at Podbean and listen direct? That's my favourite. Yeah. But whatever you're listening, please, please do us that one little favour and just like us, drop us a rate, drop us a review, whatever it is you do, a thumbs up, uh, a smiley face, whatever it is. But uh, please just do take the time to do that because it really does benefit us and it helps us to kind of boost our profile. Yeah, it makes a hell of a lot of a difference. So... Midnight Friday, Rebecca and Dave McHenry join us to talk slugs. Can't wait. This is a dream come true. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget that it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Goodbye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.